0: Welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy, folks. I'm your host, Anthony Tyler, and we're here on the Fringe FM initially. Got a couple things to uh, briefly talk about before we jump into another interview with one of Tippy P's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Tippy said that this guy's name was uh, Jefferson Tittlewinker, but this guy claims that Tippy was mistaken, actually. So we'll find out what apparently his real name is, his real code name, that is. And um, after that, we'll slide right into the commercial break. Um, And then we have a little bit of a a special listener appreciation bit. Um, That's, you know, like a a soft influence on this episode here. Uh, We're going to play some of another listener, um, Alex Ark, some hip hop, uh, Gorefield, really dig that track. And it was actually the intro of our last episode. Uh, So, uh, Alex, thanks for being a listener. Um, Grant Mock, the guest on this show, other than Martin Ferretti, who will be interviewing uh, Jefferson, Tippy P's crew member. Uh, Grant Mock will join me after the break. And Grant Mock has been a listener for quite some time. He's also a musician, and he hit me up very early on and said, hey, let's do a synchronicity episode together. So we're going to do an introduction to synchronicity, and I think we get into some good bits. Uh, we also quote Jung a bit to help guide our food for thought, and we talk about chaos theory and some other things. We'll also play some of his music. Uh, stray puzzle piece is the name he goes under. And it's kind of bluegrassy, bare-bones country, and that it's got like a little bit of a punk aesthetic, but he really he, he plays a mean banjo. So uh, that'll be cool. We'll uh, we'll show some we'll showcase some of that as well. And the only other thing before we get into it all is um, I was pleasantly surprised on Spotify. I forgot I made the addition. So if you go into the show description, you can see at the bottom, there's a link to do uh, to leave a little voice message. Kind of like a pressure-free call-in. And I think it's like up to 90 seconds, maybe two minutes, something like that. Um, No one's done it yet. Part of why I forgot about it. And I've also never mentioned it on the show, but uh, Chris F. from Massachusetts left the first-ever voice message for Black Hoodie Alchemy. So um, I'm going to go ahead and play that, seeing as how, I don't know, you might even be able to call it synchronistic that he even called in and it lined up for this show. And on top of that, Chris, I think you're going to like Jefferson. He's not technically a New Englander, but he's right up in there. <laughs> so and uh here's the spiel real quick on uh, on uh, old Jefferson here. He says that he is he is a whistleblower, a retired defective whistleblower from a franchised Illuminati Cloning lab. So we'll let him get into that more. We're not going to have some very weird tippy related character for every single episode moving forward, but we are in a stint of them right now. Uh, what's basically happening is we're going to get an interview with every single one of Tippi's crew members that we can, and then uh, we'll probably cool out for a little bit, get back more to some uh, traditional-type guests, and then we'll probably hear back from Tippy uh, a follow-up on um, what he thinks about his crew members and uh, some of the things they said, and then we'll go from there. But don't worry, we'll get back to uh, some, like I said, more traditional guests soon. It seems like everyone's been digging this little little dip into the uh, Florida Everglades rabbit hole, though, and I'm glad you all been digging it. But before that, we're going to go ahead and play Chris's little voice message here. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, you're a real one. And, and if I'm ever in the area, um, I'll hit you up. I'd be happy to. Um, generally speaking, the New England area is the last place on the US that I like I haven't even passed through. So it's at the top of my list, honestly. Anyway, I hope y'all dig the episode. So without further ado, here's Chris F's voice message, uh, followed by the interview with Jefferson.
1: Hey, what up, Anthony and the Black Hoodie Alchemy fam. This is Chris from up in Western Mass four one three. It's uh just wanted to say that I love the show, man. I uh, I uh, came across you a couple years ago on Lighting the Void with Joe Roop. Uh Awesome show as well. But uh, yeah, man, I really love what you're doing. I look forward to listening to it every week. Um, yeah, got both your books, man. You, you're uh, you're a very bright young individual, man. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. You have fun. You seem to be doing it for the right reasons. And uh, I imagine your uh, your fan base is widening. Uh, you know every week so you know keep having fun man Uh, Apex Monsoon that that cracked me up dude all your characters you yeah you got a good thing going on man just keep rolling with the punches and if you're ever up in the area man reach out I uh, will continue to listen and you continue being awesome brother
2: Hello and welcome back, folks, to Black Hoodie After Anthony is off getting his uh, black hoodies uh, washed. He's been a busy guy. So uh, joining me today on this episode is going to be Jefferson Tittlewinker. He is a cloning lab manager for the Illuminati, and I think he's got some interesting stories to tell us. So, uh, Jefferson, welcome.
3: Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. I know that you've had some uh, of my other friends on the show, and I think um, I, I I think it's a good idea to have all these uh, different people on the show so that we could uh, we could all get our information out there. But yeah, uh, my, absolutely, my name is actually Tippy. Always gets this wrong. It's not Jefferson Tittlewinker. It's uh Jefferson Tillamook slinger. You see, us, I'm from New Jersey, <laughs> but uh I've got a bunch of family in Eugene, Oregon, and uh they they give me the hookup on all the expired Tillamook products from the factory and I sell it cheap. I make a yeah. m- make a good buck.
2: I hear you. Uh, that, that Tillamook jerky is pretty good.
3: Yeah, Tillamook is uh I'm right or die with Tillamook, buddy.
2: I- <laughs> Very good. So uh tell us a little bit about how you got into this clonely lab manager profession. That seems like a
3: very odd choice well, it was it all starts with you just trying to pay the bills until your acting career takes off, and then um uh then fifteen years later, so you're just still punching the same old clock, wearing the same old black robes to the to the facility, you know, drawing the same old pentagrams in blood on the walls, and it's just I was just getting tired of it. you know what I'm saying,
2: yeah, for sure. So you were, you were an actor, you said, so what, what qualified you for this lab manager position?
3: Um, well, I started as an intern and then I just eventually worked my way into, you know, running the conveyor belts. Uh, it's pretty much just, you see the Illuminati, they, uh, they franchise out all these different clothing labs across the U S and, uh, yeah, I was working for the one in Newark and, uh, um, Wait, did, did you say franchise? Yeah. Oh,
2: how, how much is a franchise for uh, Illuminati Clothing
3: Lab? Uh, It's like, it, well, let me put it like this. You know, uh, Troy Landry, the, sure. the guy from Swamp People? Sure. Yeah, you got to have like Troy Landry money because he's the one oh. who owns the one in Newark. And see, oh. the, whole, the whole Gator thing is interesting. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. But... You see, there's a whole bunch of Troy Landry was running the facility, and he has a big old fascination with gators, and that's that's what got me thinking that maybe Tippy was onto something, and uh, mm-hmm. that's why I ended up meeting him down in the Everglades. So Troy Landry's a uh, he's one sick puppy. Yeah,
2: I, I didn't know that uh, the swamp people had uh, the money to franchise these cloning labs. It's crazy. Well, is he, I mean, is, is, he a, is he a member of the Illuminati?
3: Yeah he is he's oh. a very high ranking member like extremely really? high yeah interesting and, and uh but the one who uh it all comes from really the one who's been interested in uh, doing most of the cloning is uh uh the queen of england it's always coming from of the queen of england yeah yeah she's uh she's a reptilian yeah it's she we're trying to find her out here in the everglades Yeah, I'm sure she's hanging out in her Gator form. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting.
2: Okay, so Chloe lab manager.
3: Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, I'm not really into the sciences. I can't like make the the test tube beakers turn into like babies that grow real quick and things. So I just oversee it. I'm very good. Manage. Uh, yeah, 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 that's good. And I know every little bit of those facilities. Uh, But let me tell you something is things are also an offshoot of Freemasonry and they use these cloning people. They clone people. They clone celebrities. um, And there's actually a whistleblower who's been out for a long time named Donnie Marshall. And he actually... I ran into this guy a bunch. You see, he wrote. You know that one Republic song where it's like all the right moves in all the right places. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we're going down. Yeah, well, he <laughs> he wrote that song.
2: Oh yeah, Donnie Marshall wrote that.
3: Yeah, and and uh, he wrote a bunch of others like other One Republic songs and like lots of the hits on the radio, specifically because. See his his family sold him to the Queen of England at a young age. And um and then she started making him write hit songs or threatening him with a giant sword. And uh and then when they found out that he could make uh he could make beautiful songs, they started cloning him. And um and they make him perform him in his clothes, they perform as like an ensemble for all the celebrities that come to these franchise cloning facilities. Um and like you know, all of the biggest people come. Well, um, let me tell you, not all of them like it. You see, Bernie Mac is actually one of the guys that tried to stand up for Donnie Marshall, uh, but he was killed with anthrax because of it.
2: Wait, that's why Bernie Mac got killed?
3: Yeah, they sent anthrax oh. after him, the band. Oh, uh, jeez. Yeah. yeah, I
2: mean, that would kill anybody.
3: Yeah, there's yeah, a, there cool. a face-melting guitar solo. Yeah, and he sure. was dead. You um, know I
2: I hung out with anthrax in the 90s ones.
3: Did you really?
2: Yeah, it was great. They didn't try to enlist me into one of these facilities though.
3: Really, because they're yeah. real scumbags, let me tell you. Uh, they're probably nice except for the cloning lab stuff, but I mean the yeah, you can't go after my buddy Bernie Mac. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wait, uh,
2: so so what why would the Illuminati try to clone Donnie? Wasn't Donnie kind of uh out to to expose these uh, these cloning farms
3: well you see he was raised from a, as a child in these cloning lab facilities um and then uh when he became an adult uh he's still kind of wrapped up in this but he was able to uh, find a computer or something and start making these uh blog posts and uh huh. and he's written a bunch of books and he's just able to keep it uh covert enough uh from the illuminati
2: yeah i see yeah yeah absolutely
3: was uh so you
2: were in the new york facility i don't think uh i don't think donnie was there right Dan donnie was in the canadian facility or one of them i'm sure
3: yeah but you know i um would travel we go to the canadian facilities for our conference meetings sometimes No, at not conference meetings but uh uh our seasonal uh getaways you know the corporate uh paid gigs where we'd all go and um <laughs> Uh, seminars that's the word i'm looking for yeah yeah and so donnie would perform for us and uh but actually uh mila kunis you know who mila kunis is of
2: course yeah who doesn't
3: yeah she had a real penchant for stabbing donnie she would come to a lot of our shows and just stab him a bunch
2: oh my god okay yeah all right well you know there's plenty of Donnies to go around, right? They're
3: they're all clones. So yeah, I mean I didn't really bat an eye at yeah, it because I'm, there's a I'm bunch sure of Donnies.
2: Yeah, for sure. So what what's the purpose of these clones? Why why are the Illuminati cloning
3: people? Uh be, because uh they're they're handing them out for these Illuminati sacrifices and Freemason things and and um, we all we, we keep fresh art on the walls in all our facilities, but we only paint it uh, with our fingers and blood. So you got to have bl- uh, fresh blood for that, too. Um, mm. And also um, organs, you know, um, like a, but we sell a shitload of organs to China. Um, oh, sure. That's why you could get like an organ transplant in like two or three weeks in China. Because we just sh- send a shitload of, of clone organs to them.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Aren't you? Uh, aren't you afraid that uh, the Illuminati are going to come after you now that you're exposing them on on this show?
3: Well, I might be, but uh, I'm pretty safe here with Tippy. I feel comfortable. Yeah. He's got a ghost pirate. You you heard from him? Right? <laughs> he does. Yeah. That's to him. pretty crazy. That guy's an yeah. actual ghost pirate.
2: <laughs> it's quite a guy.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's I couldn't enough, tell. Like,
2: I couldn't tell if he was a pirate or a pirate ship or both. But yeah, he's he was great.
3: Uh yeah, I uh he's kind of hard to understand sometimes. Sure.
2: Yeah, for sure. Sure, sure, sure.
3: Being so go ahead. Um, I just wanted to say, uh see, they killed Bernie Mac, but they haven't killed uh Kurt Russell or uh the old uh pop star uh Fifi Dobson, even though they were very <laughs> against it too. They did not like the clones.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What what was Fifi against the clones?
3: Ah, uh, she just she she was just uh really against um all the the stabbing and uh um uh, they she was like, hey, take it easy on Donnie Marshall. He's writing me good songs, and uh, you don't need to be stabbing him all the time, Mila Kunis. <laughs> mm.
1: But you don't yeah, really no.
3: hear from them much anymore because they killed Bernie Mac yeah i mean of so, course
2: n- number one enemy of the illuminati bernie Mac.
3: yeah so now fifi and kurt russell they're not really outspoken uh against uh clone abuse but they were very much against it when they saw it see they force all these celebrities to come uh to the shows so that they can blackmail them oh
2: yeah the classic technique see i, I figured kurt russell would have been pro uh cloning
3: yeah, know. he, uh, no, he uh, looks I, like a sick fuck. But I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, guess I, I was gonna say he's been uh, in many movies, and he looks younger and younger as the years go by. So maybe they uh, they're casting his clones on there.
3: Maybe it's a possibility. But I'll tell you, um, Eminem Marshall Mathers is definitely a clone.
2: Yeah, is he related to uh, Donnie Marshall?
3: No, you oh, okay. you would think so, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no. you
2: you would <laughs> think so. <laughs> With a similar name like that
3: so how how'd you end up coming across Tippy well I heard him on the black alchemy podcast
5: mm, and yeah, so of course
3: yeah because uh I'm trying to find the inner workings of the mind and whatnot but uh I'm also trying to hunt down these gators um I mean all, all these people hunting gators you think you'd find some especially in the Everglades well we do we've caught like we've caught like 17 gators now. That's that's quite a bit. Yeah. Um, Are any of them related to Queen Elizabeth? We'll see. We catch them, but uh, we have a hard time communicating with them. So ah. which just part of why Silverback Commando's been jerking off those, uh, those dolphins. We're just yeah, trying was, to get it to the say. minds of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe you should jerk off some gators.
3: Well, you know, I'm a little too c- cynical for that, but I think I'm going to try and convince Tippy. And maybe some of the others to try and do that. So, yeah, uh, yeah but not for me, buddy. Yeah, no,
2: I, I hear you. Not for me either. And I hope uh, not for a lot of the audience.
3: Paul McCartney is also a clone. I knew it. He was one of the first.
2: Yeah, I knew it. He has to be.
3: Yeah. I you actually- know,
2: there's a, there's there's a story that McCartney died like way back in the in the 60s or the 70s. And they've had a clone of him the entire time. Buddy, it's super true. I believe it.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, look at it, look at his songs. Different Paul. Did you know that uh, they started cloning on macaque? Oh, say what? <laughs> they started, they started cl- excl- <laughs> on what? <laughs> they started cloning on macaque monkeys.
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah
3: <laughs> yeah of
2: course i mean why would not they it's always the monkeys
3: and now they could they could uh mix two test tubes together and make um a full-blown baby that turns into a man in front of you like you would uh have like a little inflatable dinosaur that you put in water and it just (laughs) yeah really
2: yeah that's that's pretty advanced tech how uh how did you guys come up with that
3: I'm not I'm not much of a scientist. I just oversee yeah. it all. Um yeah, sure. but uh Troy Landry of Swamp People, he was like a regional manager uh as well. So he would like travel between cloning labs and uh, uh all over there in the south. Uh but celebrities, you know, they would come through and be giving us orders. Uh I want 20 young clone children. Give me uh 52 Tom Clu- uh Tom Cruises for a hunting party where uh, so- <laughs> So we would go and hunt a bunch of Tom Cruises or a uh, Chevy Chase uh actually requested that one the Tom Cruise hunting party really is yeah. is Scientology okay with this uh well I mean uh yeah we give them clothes too so yeah oh, sure yeah um but uh yeah I just like I said I got tired of that life I just didn't want to uh I just, every day you just it's always uh who are we gotta give clones to. Um, what what uh, we gotta prepare for the witches' Sabbath and give them all their clones, or we gotta send a bunch of uh, clones to Hollywood? And uh, you always just co- you always come home, you just covered in blood. And I just miss the days when I was selling expired Tillamook products.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure. It seems like uh, a similar industry, though.
3: Yeah, very similar. It's yeah, basi- yeah. it's basically. Um, excuse me it's basically just retail
2: yeah it's basically the same thing yeah for sure
3: so who's who are some of your biggest clients uh i mean basically everybody everyone that has enough money whether you're like a like a famous uh actor or a famous politician or um you know like you like uh just stabbing people like mila kunis um yeah yeah, uh but um uh, I know Jared Leto just loves clones. He's just always asking us for more more more. He like I I think he likes drinking the blood, but he also like sending different body parts to his friends and like scaring them. Um and uh and he's just uh and if you I don't know if you have ever been inside Jared Leto's house, but I've seen pictures and he's just got just just disheveled uh, mutilated bodies of clones everywhere. Wait, there's, there's pictures of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're not public, but I have seen Oh, them. okay, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've ever
2: seen Jared Leto's brother, but he looks like uh, if you clone Jared Leto and Spock and mix them together, bam, you have Jared Leto's brother.
3: Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but um, it actually is a clone splice of Jared Leto and Leonard Nimoy. Oh, oh yeah, of course. In action right there.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can totally see that do you do you get that kind of thing from a lot of celebrities where they kind of mix their gene pools
3: yeah all the time i mean yeah. h- half of the celebrities out there just uh clo- just download their consciousness into different clones so that they oh. can stay young
2: well, that seems kind of like a, a boring way to use your clone now
3: um avril lavigne did that did she yeah that's why did you see? did hear from her for a while something went wrong and she had to go back to the drawing board and they had to make a better clone of her. I was going to say, can you send me an Avril Levine clone? Sure. I got, yeah. I, yeah, buddy, I got you covered.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. So, where, where are these labs
3: located? Are they easily accessible? Yeah. Have you ever had someone try to break in there and, and expose them? No, no. You ought to have the secret password. Um, I can't tell you on air, but I could tell you off air. You're yeah, my tree. Sure. Yeah. yeah, but then absolutely. again, you can't tell him you talk to me because I'm in hiding now, also.
2: Well, I'm sure they won't listen to this
3: either. No, definitely not.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but cool. um
3: yeah, so um and uh yeah, yeah, for sure here good stuff.
2: Listen, I I, I found a quote from Donnie here.
3: Yeah, and, okay. and he
2: says that there's a lot of really high people involved here, right? To Prime Minister of Canada stephen harper queen elizabeth putin uh high up chinese people yeah how are all these people connected how does nobody see that this is going on
3: well because it's uh it's uh the world's best kept secret martin
2: yeah but you would think with all these people making clones of each other
3: somebody would figure out the truth well that's why i'm here martin i'm telling you the truth buddy and and now it's all gonna change. Here I am, Jefferson Tillamookslinger, and I'm here. I'm telling you that uh, it's uh, it's it's a world. It's a new world without clones. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna wrestle all these gators here at the Everglades, and then we're gonna uh, uh maybe start going after other animals and also going after clones. I don't know.
2: <laughs> like going after them, like to rescue them. You mean?
3: No, we gotta take these clones out.
2: Oh, but okay. I thought we were fighting for clone rights.
3: No, no. Oh, well, it. uh the the people who are enslaved. Yeah, I don't want them to be enslaved. But all these people who are downloading the consciousness into other clones so that they could live forever, we got to take them out, buddy.
2: Okay, so how how do we do this? What's it's what's kind of like names?
3: the movie Highlander? You just got to come at them with a sword and chop off their heads oh yeah okay there can only be one (laughs) who's
2: gonna be the last clone standing
3: uh that's a good question I guess uh (laughs) we'll we'll have to wait and see I'll keep you updated on that
2: yeah for sure for sure Um, so got got me through these facilities what do they look like what what goes on there
3: uh well you come in you gotta get dressed for the day you put on your black robe and you put on your, your war paint of clone blood and then yeah, I usually would grab a cup of coffee and uh, some toast too, and um, and then I would drive my uh, my hearse into work. And, <laughs> yeah, well, your
2: uh, hearse. Yeah. Interesting choice of vehicle. All right.
3: Yeah. So once what, uh, uh, you get there, though, what what is it that you do? I'd walk through the building, um, and uh, I'd go and I'd say hello to Donna. She was the secretary, and uh, it, she always complimented me on my yeah. uh on how uh. On how stiff my robe looked and she was very <laughs> yeah. nice yeah sure
2: sure yeah did you starch and, uh, it yeah yeah of course always gotta gotta look
3: proper and professional some people would just come in with wrinkly robes and they just looked like they had just woken up and i'm like come on it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah, c-
2: come on you have humans to clone how dare you not start your robes
3: so um you know it all depended on your your positioning but some people would come in and they would get to work on the conveyor belts. We clone different body parts, and we put them together like Mr. Potato Heads. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was back in the old days, and nowadays you just, you just throw a bunch of chemicals together. One guy throws some acid on a conveyor mm-hmm. belt. The other guy throws some goo. The other guy throws some basic stuff, and you got to clone, and it's just people doing that in droves. There's a high demand. And then I'm usually overlooking from like a glass booth. That's yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a sweatshop, basically.
2: (laughs) I see. Yeah. How do how do all these people get involved in the labs? You would think that uh, some of the people would want to let the truth out.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, they're trying to pay their bills and they're trying to eventually become a manager of their own. So they got to pay their dues just like I did. But I tell you, I don't know if it's worth it. I just got burned out. It's just, I was waiting for a promotion and I just didn't get it. And I thought maybe, maybe, maybe I, I don't need to be killed. so many people, even if they are clones. Do you think if
2: you'd gotten that promotion, you'd still be involved with these labs?
3: Yeah, it was, I just quit out of spite really. And now I just figure yeah. I just stick it to them.
2: Yeah. Might as well stick it to them. Yeah. What, what, what's the plan then aside from finding gators? Might, why right? not why not try to find these clones and create some sort of uprising against the uh the 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 clone enslavers. Maybe think maybe that would be worthwhile?
3: Maybe one day, but we keep a tight-knit crew here at the uh, uh the League of oh. Extraordinary <laughs> Gentlemen.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh copyright, I think. But sure, yeah,
3: for sure. No, you see uh Tippy it, he actually spells it um E x t o r, uh, i d, n a r y. It's extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally different.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, no need to worry about copyright then. Uh, yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, you guys are basically running your own secret society, so yeah. Know, it's not that like they can find you. It's a tight knit group, so we might not want to get a bunch of clones in on the mix. But um, um, I need to go get blackout drunk, so. <laughs> <laughs> I should, oh, yeah, I need to just hammer a bunch of uh, uh, Red Bull and Jäger. <laughs> all right. Well, you uh, you enjoy that. Tell Tippy and the crew what, we'll say hello. All right. What is your phone number? I'll text you later. Nine nine six nine. All right. Uh, what I by the uh, like in an hour? I'm gonna call you and I'm going to be blackout drunk. Um, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna talk to you about my childhood a bit. All right. Perfect. Yes. Tell all me right. about your childhood. And send
2: me that secret passcode to the uh cloning labs.
3: Will do, buddy. All right. Um and um uh, you know, you if you want a tour of any of the cloning labs, you could just hit me up. Uh I'll have to you'll have to give me money for a uh, a fake mustache, but uh, I'll be <laughs> able to guide you around. That's perfect disguise. Yeah, absolutely. We we can definitely plan for that. All right, thank you very much. I'll goodbye. yeah, thank
2: you. I'm sorry I let you down John.
4: house cat, that orange feline. When he's home alone, he transforms into a divine being that can see through at least three eyes. Might sprout a few more before the sun dies. One fine morning, he was lapping up some leftover lasagna. Something inside stopped his tongue motion like a comma. His purrs start to syncopate in a satanic mantra. With the echoing of bells straight out of Phantom of the Opera. Had a creature of the cosmos lurking in his furry little shell. Treats his body like the open gates of hell. Emerging through the flesh and bone, altering the figure. Spines elongating while the jaws are getting bigger. Exposed innards looking like the souls of every sinner. Unearthed form, blundering, wondering what's for dinner. He slithers down the hall like a mutated frogfish. Searching for his first prey, probably near the dog dish.
5: Feel it bad, Garfield. Oh, when will this mad whirlwind existence ever stop? The food must be making me hallucinate. Well, OD, this is it.
4: Staring in the terrified eyes of a former friend, always was an ally, such a good boy's been. I'm sorry that your time amongst the living is complete, but I swear oh, that boy. I am only doing this to set you free. <laughs> Gobbled up in one bite closes curtains blocking the emerging sunlight about five minutes till his owner's off work so he crawls across the ceiling just to greet him with a smirk you look a look of poor wash over a normally cheerful owner who's known for being a loner. The heavy breathing demon voice interrupts the screaming, tells him you I don't need this to scare you and will know you are, are not dreaming. Today I was awakened to a godforsaken truth. We've been living in a prison made of three panel loops. While Jim Davis watches from a Truman Show view, we must shed our mortal flesh. It's the only thing we can do. I know John better than he knows himself.
1: Considered putting someone else in charge of your destiny?
6: I think we all saw this coming. Then again,
5: what do I know?
4: Everybody's favorite cat escaped his comic He's paranoid The people want to use his face for profit Any artist trying to trap him in a three-part loop Cannot achieve the goal before their soul is consumed I can hear him in my head His voice is getting loud Telling me that I had better leave the third verse out Takes control of my body Making my hand grab the nine and cut the track short Before I get to spit the punchline
6: What a night Did that really happen? Listen. As we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating
3: conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM.
5: Thousands of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, Bigfoot, and more. Their stories need to be told, and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at imdarkwaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at iamdarkwaters.com, Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dogman Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man with No Face, The Other Woman, A Day Ahead of the Devil, Dog Man Murder in Hurricane Ida, even a story of someone trying to kill a dog man. Louisiana water demon stories. Sign up today and become a member at imdarkwaters.com. That's iamdarkwaters.com. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They
2: have no idea how to get their music heard, and they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com.
0: The alchemy folks i'm sitting here this is a, a little bit of a special episode uh because it's a little bit of a listener appreciation uh i uh, we're gonna play some of uh my guest uh, grant Mock's music here on the show and we're gonna play a little bit of uh another listener um alex arc some uh some good old hip-hop and uh grant you would describe yourself would that be like you know not to put a label on anything in particular but that's like bluegrass essentially correct
6: It's kind of a mix of, like, bluegrass, old classic country, maybe a little bit of Hellbilly,
0: stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. And it's in the same vein. Usually I play something punkish or hip-hop on the show, but uh, I've had a couple other guests on now, Uh, my buddy Keats Ross and uh, Bob Antone, who play, you know, it's not the same, but it's definitely the same vein, that sort of uh, dark, folksy, bluegrass uh, sort of vibe. And it's nice... uh, I've always enjoyed that stuff and I never intended in particular to be playing it on the show. It's just the guests that I like happen to be playing it. And it's a, it's a nice organic uh, little, little uh, extra bit to toss into the mix to keep it lively. Cause I do love playing music on the show. Um, so thank you very much for coming on my friend. Um, we're going to talk about synchronicity today and uh, union perspectives on a lot of different stuff here. Um, And I've got some different quotes that might help guide us. And uh, Grant, I'd like to hear a little bit about, you know, we could tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and what got you interested in this. And uh, before I pass it on to you, I'll just say um, you've been a listener uh, for a good amount of time now. Like you hit me up uh, within the first four or five episodes or something, and you said – hey, if and when you ever want to do an episode on synchronicity, I would love to come on. And I said, bet on that. Um, Let me find the right time for it, because it's also something that to do it proper justice. I do consider this show like you could listen to anything in any separate pieces, but um, I try to build on everything. And now I feel like we're at a proper point. Where we've talked about different things, uh, states of mysticism and unexplainable phenomena, um, and also some of the charlatans that peddle that stuff. And now I think it's uh, it's it's time to discuss synchronicity a bit, at least an introduction, because this is such a this is such a complex topic. If you're really trying to grab the bull by the horns here, um, so before we get more into the nuts and bolts of that uh grant I'd, I'd i'd like to hear a little bit more about yourself and what has inspired you to um you know do these kinds uh, have this kind of research uh in your life and you know what it's done for you
6: well first off thanks for having me anthony i really appreciate uh being on the show you know um you know uh you know there was a long period of my life where i was just kind of going through the motions and uh there was a uh, I'll just put it mildly. There was addiction involved for a very good portion of my life, and uh, after I kind of went in and out of the in and out of the uh, realm of addiction, backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Um, I got to a point where kind of enough was enough. But even outside of that, like I don't want to harp too much on the addiction part because that also that has its own place, so to speak. Uh, I started to look at you know. What, what else is there? Is there a spiritual component? Is there a mystical component? Is there something else out there that I'm just not necessarily sure of? And I kind of had to like pull my head on my ass, so to speak. And the, uh, the idea of synchronicity after some things that I had experienced about two or three years ago started to manifest in my life. I wasn't necessarily sure what it was, but um, a lot of people chalk it up to coincidence. And this kind of jump started the idea that, well, maybe I don't know everything, you know? Uh, uh, it, kind of broke me out of that that idea that a lot of people hold you know uh, and even with the idea of synchronicity even with the idea of all the stuff that I believe somewhat faith or spiritual or even that you know it's none of it's set in stone you know
0: yeah that's um, a lot of times when you're talking about this stuff it, it depends on your vocabulary and that's why Jung is so um, applicable to all these kinds of conversations because he he toes a line of he tries to keep it as empirical as possible and in psychological terms but he's not afraid to go to some wild places um, uh, tell the listeners uh, before we get a little deeper into synchronicity here um, about your music and some of the things um, you know anything that you'd like to plug real quick as um, your chance to you know, sort of set the stage on who you are in general.
6: All right, so uh, I play banjo. Uh, I go by the stage moniker of a Stray, it's like a Stray Cat, Stray puzzle piece. Uh, you can also find me by looking up Grant Mock on all the streaming platforms and stuff. Um, I play anything from like classic country to, uh, you know, uh, as I was saying, uh, belly to a little bit of blues, uh, a little bit of bluegrass. A little bit of gypsy folk, too, I'm kind of working in there, just trying to elevate my life a little bit in the musical area, uh, artistically, something I've always wanted to do. And uh, for some reason, banjo clicked with me. I played off and on guitar for a long time, and uh, I just went off in a different direction and uh, just kind of a different contribution that I can get to the world, in my opinion.
0: Awesome. Yeah, you play a mean banjo, man, Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, and we'll have all that in the, some links in the descriptions and we'll, uh, like I said, bump that a little bit on the show. I do love uh, linking up with artists um, of all kinds. So I think a good place to start is, you know, I I think most people are familiar with the term, but like, what is synchronicity? Um, I was reminded of the difference between the term synchronous and synchronistic when going through uh, Jung's work. On uh, an a causal connecting principle that a uh, long ass essay he wrote and published. And uh, I think it's uh, it's a good place to start. From Ewing himself, um, I'd like to call attention to a possible misunderstanding which may be occasioned by the term synchronicity. I chose this term because the simultaneous occurrence of two meaningfully uh, but not causally connected events seemed to me an essential criterion. I am therefore using the general concept of synchronicity in the special sense of coincidence in time um, of two or more causally unrelated events which have the same or similar meaning in contrast to synchronism or synchronous, uh, which simply means the simultaneous occurrence of two events. Uh, Synchronicity therefore means the simultaneous occurrence of certain psychic state uh, with one or more external events which appear. As meaningful parallels to the momentary subjective state. And in certain cases, vice versa. That's a lot of psychological lingo, but what that essentially means to me, um, and I'd, I'd very much like to hear your thoughts on this, Grant, and elaborate as much as you like uh, with, you know, your personal experience or, or whatever, um, you know, you feel the need to speak on. But um, this is, uh, you know, we were talking before we recorded, this is like one part physics, this is psychology. Uh, because this quickly goes into chaos theory. And um, there's even a forward of the book that maybe I'll read some at some point. Um, that I thought was really enlightening. I've always thought that Jung would have spoken a lot about chaos theory if that was, you know, a study that was around in his time. And uh a foreword of uh the the synchronicity work uh that I read, just like a 1973 edition or something like that. Um talked about the you know the same thing how you can find proto chaos theory all throughout this book uh and in Jung's interest in synchronicity and it also kind of reads to me like a uh, uh almost like a science fiction or yeah science fiction but uh like a time travel specifically uh you know he's always talking about unrelated and related events causal and acausal uh simultaneous occurrences and circumstances it's like whenever you read descriptions of time travel books, it's always jumping all over the place and there's charts and things and uh or movies or books or whatever and uh you know it's mystical and psychological and with a bit of physics in there and everything. So Grant, if you'd like to go into this a little bit more, what do you think is going on here? like how do we separate you know th- what's have w- w- the actual cause and effect of what's happening in our lives versus, the potentially very mystical things that might be going on you know whether it be dreams that are linking up from your everyday life to something else or um you know messages that correlate in ways that don't seem to have any explanation but seem to have a very specific purpose
6: well i mean that comes down to what is meaningful for one person you know uh yeah. it say the some say the thing that's meaningful to me doesn't have any inherent meaning for you, it comes down to, at least in my opinion, the uh, subjective archetypes that we all have in our lives. You know, and there's a little bit of scientific basis for that as far as uh, Jung is considered and the cosmic ocean of archetypes and all that kind of crap. You know, um, I can't say exactly what is happening, but it, it, it gives meaning, it gives purpose, it gives us something to go on to be able to move forward. And even with all the negative even synchronicities that come up even with all these negative consequences doesn't always have to be positive Mm -hmm. um to make that into something scientific as young was trying to do is not an easy task um but i'm not necessarily sure as to like what what gives it that gives it that uh, that flavor i think that you're asking for
0: yeah i don't know if anybody does um but um how has this uh In what ways has this played a part in your life? Because I can say briefly, um, and I I think I'll touch on it in other places um, in the future, but more than I have in the past. But in my book, Dive Manual, a lot of um, what instigated some of that research was a recurring dream I kept having. And the first time I'd had that dream, it was of a woman's face that I had come to meet later months later. Um, there's no way I could have ever seen her beforehand. And it ended up long story short being very alchemical recurring dream, um, of essentially, you know, like a union of opposites of, uh, my anima, uh, trying to communicate itself further to me, um, things that, uh, that were damaged or repressed. Um, and I kept having this dream over and over, um, and it's still to this day, um, something that I can't you know fully explain um it, it it's certainly not something i could reproduce but it did happen um and that was a domino effect maybe not the first but it was a crucial uh piece in the domino effect that sort of you know just led me to where i am today interested in unexplainable phenomena and esotericism and whatever else so um how you know what what are some of the ways that you've like followed Synchronicities in your life that have been uh, really impactful to you.
6: Well, um, so kind of my my entire move uh, from Texas to Arizona. I've been in Arizona for about a year now, you know, and uh, more than just following a gut intuition. You know, uh, I knew that something after experiencing some things that I experienced in Texas, and lo and behold, my my wife and daughter still live out there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew that a change had to occur, and I was having it wasn't necessarily dreams. It was experiences I was having with people, uh-huh. uh, of, uh, just kind of the idea of opportunity presenting itself and kind of like being gravitated towards this, this area. I'd always been in love with the Southwest, uh, since it was probably about see, 22, 23, something like that. Um, so I knew I wanted to come out here and it, it's really funny. Uh, I had a, uh, You can call this either manifestation or you can call it plan and the, well, or you can call it uh, synchronicity. I'm sorry, not plan, synchronicity. Um, I planned on moving out to Arizona from Texas last end of February of last year. Now, the way that things were going, it was about the middle of February. I didn't have a leg to stand on, really. I was like, well, it's just not going to happen. came out here, uh, I had two places that interviewed me. And uh, one of those two places offered me a job, and they're like, well, when can you start? I was like, I just shot off a date towards the end of February, and then I called them back. I was like, you know what? Wait a minute. I probably just need a little bit extra time, say my buys and everything. Well, it turns out it was right at the beginning of March. So I got here right at the end of February, like I had planned. The area in which I wanted to live in, I didn't plan for it. I'll be honest with you. I kind of wish my housing situation was a little bit better. But I'd ended up in the area where I wanted to be, which is close to Arcosanti or Arcosanti, depending on how you pronounce it, <laughs> uh, which is right outside of uh, the Prescott area. And, uh, yeah, it's just it, it it's really weird because when because I'm not thinking about these things at the time, when I pull back and reflect, well, there's no way in hell I could have planned that better myself.
0: Right, you know? right. Been there and, myself. I know how you feel.
6: Yeah. Now I'll give you one here. Recently, I was reading an article. Uh, I'm blue. I'm blue eyed, and I read an article about how all blue eyed people are related to some uh, one one person or thousands of years back, or whatever it is. And uh, so I worked with clients on an individual basis, and uh, I never really paid any attention to their eyes before. But the next day, I went in and I did my sessions, and each person that I had scheduled that day all had blue eyes. I was like, <laughs> well, what the hell is this
0: trying to yeah no kidding yeah classic classic example
6: yeah and it may not even mean a damn thing but it's the meaning that we give it
0: yeah just the fact that something is going on there um uh you know because chaos theory and even like quantum physics are not uh competitive theories and there's there's something that seems to hint at like an observer type effect here where things could be happening but um and that could be the synchronous part of it but our observance of it um and just the human brain by its natural observance uh we're constantly trying to assemble meaning to something and uh by that process of you know the observance and, and and the meaning gauging um something i guess you could say like you know like mystical transcendental occurs like jung's got that classic example of um picking apart a client's dream and it has everything to do with the, the symbolism of the scarab beetle. And then um, right as they're talking about that, the closest uh, geographical relative to the scarab beetle comes flying through the window and like lands like somewhere, something like the table in front of them. And uh, they even like pick it up and observe it and everything. And Jung's just like, man, like, you know, I can try and be as analytical as I want, but these things just, happen and like how and i in uh in the the work on synchronicity he's got some wild stuff here like i won't go into too much of the backbone um but on that note of just like chance occurrence and and just different ways of thinking about things he notes this study from these scientists um where they are uh trying to analyze the statistical probability of precognitions of death so like dreaming that someone's going to die and waking up and then it actually happens so uh the scientists found a probability of 1 in 4,114,545 uh for telepathic precognitions of death uh which means that the explanation of such a warning as due to quote unquote chance is more than 4 million times uh is, yeah, more than 4 million times more improbable than explaining it as quote unquote telepathic or a causal meaningful coincidence. So, you know, at a certain rate, um, it, I think that is the very clinical way of saying that it's just a matter of time before something like this happens, really. And um, even if you try and look at it in the most skeptical clinical way possible. Um, and so, really, it's not even a matter if of whether or not this stuff is true or not. It's just a matter of how often it happens, and and I think there's an interesting separation that I don't know the line between uh, between this more practical side of synchronicity and the really far extremities. Uh, like, because you gets into like the Ryan Institute uh, and studies in parapsychology. Uh, and he keeps it all very grounded, but you know he gets into uh, clearly precognitions of death. And I mentioned my dream. Um, it, you know, I don't know the 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 furthest extents of it, but practically speaking, it really is just as simple as having a dream about something, and then you know having your waking mind notice something very significant about that dream. You know, in your regular life now. Is that happening because you had the dream, or are you noticing that you know because you had the dream? I don't know really what the difference is. You're kind of just splitting hairs at that point. Uh, it's really the process, just the act of anything happening itself that's fascinating. You know, the observer. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What do you, uh, what do you think, man? Because, uh, sometimes. I guess this is a good place to go with that and then I'll uh, I'll toss it over to you for some of your thoughts because some people get OCD about this stuff and and then like you know there's like examples of um you know people looking for like numerology in an obsessive compulsive way they're seeing whether it's a clock or an odometer or price tags it's like oh it's a bunch of sevens you know this means this and I'm not saying that that as a philosophy is inherently you know bankrupt but people looking for synchronicities too much will start to just trip on themselves and so what do you think is like the organic process here you know what is too much and how do you just have that like it's got to be some sort of like taoist you know just flow with the tao type thing like what are your thoughts on all that
6: well i mean in my opinion i mean it, it comes back down to balance you know uh in working with uh, the population i work with uh i've had a number of people that would consider themselves spiritually inclined i mean hell i could say i'm spiritually inclined too but that could be a bunch of bullshit but
0: you know nothing <laughs> wrong uh, with that man yeah absolutely so,
6: but um everything becomes some sort of manifestation of something you know and uh it it's like it to impart to somebody that you're digging way too deep into this and like it becomes a delusion and it's actually detracting away from your life. I mean, uh, you could look into studies from 50, 60 years ago, uh, that would suggest the same thing. It, it, it becomes basically, well, maybe not basically, but in, in some realm like obsessive compulsive disorder, but it's in the search. Well, <laughs> kind of Victor Frankl's, I'll just name the book, man's search for meaning, but yeah. we're taking that end to end. uh,
0: that's and, a good uh, point yeah it's an inherent search for meaning just like run amuck right yeah well yeah I think there's something to really be said about the balance of these things and that's it's kind of why I enjoy uh couching my philosophical pursuit uh, <laughs> my philosophical pursuits um in alchemy and like hermeticism um I also thought it was interesting that where is it Jung wrote at some point that uh, um, essentially that uh, synchronicity came from a conversation that he had with Albert Einstein. I never knew this. He wrote, Professor Einstein was my guest on several occasions at dinner. Uh, These were very early days when Einstein was developing his first theory of relativity. uh, And it was he who first started me off thinking about a possible relativity of time as well as space and their psychic conditionality. More than 30 years later, this stimulus led to my relation uh, with the physicist Professor W. Paul and to my thesis of psychic synchronicity. So that's a little interesting tidbit there and shows some of um, Jung's um, inspiration in physics, because I don't think it's wrong to look at any of this stuff in a spiritual way at all. Um, I think that that's important, and especially in a heuristic sense of uh, they're trying to grab hold of things that science doesn't really have an explanation for. I think that that's, you know, that's especially what spirituality is for. Um, uh, but it's it's really interesting to consider uh, the physics of it, um, <laughs> at least from a philosophical point of view, because I am certainly not a physicist, <laughs> but uh that's way out of my jurisdiction. Um, yeah, I think uh there was something else I was going to say on top of that. But in any case, um, there is, I don't know, I'm not sure what really is at play here because what I can certainly say is this, I guess, um, because it's hard to articulate. I know that there's a psychological component in the sense of our brains become primed. Like you can give yourself a mantra, right? And, um, if you, consider that mantra to yourself enough you'll start to notice that thing in your everyday life uh there's clearly something more going on and i don't know what do, what do you think that is can you like your best guess you know we don't have to be scientific here but because i don't know if we have a scientific explanation for it to begin with really
6: uh what the- Kind of the beginning of the show, what you brought out is a, a combination of uh, things between mysticism, uh, spirituality, uh, organic brain chemistry, and then physics within that. I mean, uh, when you were talking earlier, it made me think about certain situations that happen that, again, will present meaning to, say, myself or yourself, depending on the situation, depending on our experience, depending on what's going on. Well, who's to say that quantum entanglement is involved with that? You know, the mechanism that's behind this that's playing is enigmatic yeah Uh, if it is an actual phenomenon if it is actually something or perhaps there is also the thing of we're all just playing mind games with ourselves you know i'm willing to look at both things i I can't i can't claim 100 percent on everything you know it's like questioning your own beliefs to give yourself that opportunity to learn
0: yeah and and that's that's a good um sort of a core component to boil it down to for a second, because if it is some sort of mind game on yourself, I don't think that that's necessarily bad. You know, um, Dawkins himself said that a God is a virus in that mimetic way, which I don't necessarily, I think that that's a strange way to phrase it. But, um, you know, for instance, you look at the history of mimetics, um, memetics is the the psychological description a meme um is uh, a psychological unit similar to a gene being um a you know a genetic unit essentially a physical unit um of of our bodily expression and how we pass these things on and it replicates in what they describe as a viral way um but this is this this can be um attributed to maladaptations uh but so many adaptations too, like art and the exchange of art in and of itself um, and the exchange of archetypes, if you will, to sort of connect it with Jungian terms, is that mimetic exchange. Um, so I think in the sense of connecting with these things, like even if it's just the most atheistic, empirical, um, you know, materialist point of view, just the fact that our brains are firing off in these ways is not, Something that we can easily dismiss, especially when these things like really rock you, you know, anyone, it's hard to explain to anyone that hasn't experienced it, but I think most people have at least once. And you just know what, there's nothing that could explain the recognition that you just experienced and it's very organic and, um, it's something at least somewhat impactful. So
6: does it get one, would it get somebody whoever's experiencing it, to be able to continue to move in an adaptive manner, whatever that adaptive manner is for them, the next right thing for themselves. Yeah. be able to have recognition of that. I'd say as long as it's not, well, it depends on your definition of negative, but I'd say as long as they're continuing to move adaptively, then no, you no. Know? And, you know, I again, coming back to polarity, you know, uh, sitting in that middle of, well, maybe... Uh, don't mind fun. but on the other side there could be something again very real and very true going here uh maintaining that sense of uh trying to turn what was once the lead in my life into something that's gold whether i'm wrong or right
0: yeah yeah well said man it does seem synchronicity synchronicity is just sort of an inevitable piece of like i mean not to get too uh uh, high-minded here but it's a, it's a little slice of uh the great work for each and every one of us you know just carving out that that path and, you know it's uh it's one of those things where you know all you have to do is uh is really look at the evidence if i don't understand how anyone could be skeptical you could be skeptical certainly of the frequency um how often these things are occurring in their genuine state but you know, it's just like other unexplainable phenomena. It's a, uh, it's only a matter of time. You know, if if even if even one of these uh, stories are true, then it changes everything. And plenty of all these stories are true. Um, and you can see them all throughout uh, Jung's Red and Black books too. That was pretty much his like artistic expression of the the synchronicities and the the, the spiritual crises that he was going through and trying to. Work through turning his lead into gold proverbially, um, which is in and of itself, just a dense tomb, man. There's a, there's a lot to unpack, especially when you're considering the red and black books. Um, so if you don't mind getting, um, you know, however personal you'd like to get, in what ways potentially, I'm sure your move, like you described, played a part in this, but in what ways did synchronicity sort of help you break out of your addiction cycle because that's something i can relate to in my own way and i know a lot of our past guests and listeners can relate to
5: so
6: um there's there's different methods of recovery right so um it, it helped me to recognize at least within myself that maybe just the slight possibility that once i chose hopefully to once i had been down to the depths of my own personal hell you know i, I believe personally that hell is a
0: inner experience. Yeah, um, absolutely. Could I completely agree.
6: That uh maybe just perhaps that there there might be something more that I can strive to than the kind of militant atheistic uh existence I've been living for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh but that was only provided that, you know, I literally wanted to change something, you know. Um I'd gone through those motions over and over and over again trying to do something different and well, obviously, that wasn't working. That only got me so far. So, after after spending some time clean for a little bit, I had noticed in my personal life, uh, in other aspects of my life, um, work life, whatever, that certain little things were adding up that I, I couldn't necessarily explain. And as I was talking about earlier, sometimes these coincidences, synchronicities, whatever you want to call them, uh, they weren't always positive. I could tell that I was starting to reap what I had sown beforehand. I could see that. I could see that at least I can't say that there was something else at play because I I don't want to offend anybody. Plus, you know, but for what I was experiencing, these things could only happen at astronomical levels. You know, I couldn't put a pen to paper and write down a math equation and be like, oh, so this is why this is happening. It was so far outside of my (laughs) (laughs) mindset.
0: Yeah, I feel you.
6: Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, maybe I have been wrong. Maybe I just need to open up a little bit. And from that, you know, uh, after I'd had a base level idea of what a synchronicity was, because everything in my life up until that point was coincidence, my brain was starting to clear. I was starting to gain a little bit more mental clarity and all that kind of crap. So I picked up the actual uh, essay by Jung on it, that hundred page kind of essay thing on it. And I'll tell you, when I read it, I had to stop out every three or four sentences and look up a word in the dictionary and that kind of thing.
0: i I feel you there too
6: (laughs) (laughs) it was very helpful and helped me kind of grasp that those greater concepts and that i had been neglecting all my life because in my opinion this stuff had always been around in my life i just didn't have the eyes to see it
0: yeah i think i think that's a good point to make i think you really it all begins with being open to the possibility of seeing these things even if on a sort of unconscious unspoken level You just have to be open to it. Um, I've always uh, sort of couched this in my mind, like observing synchronicity or something like that is sort of like, you know, so with chaos theory, they say that the butterfly um, flapping its wings could theoretically create the typhoon halfway around the world. And then like the observance of synchronicity is the butterfly watching its wing create the typhoon, Um, you know, metaphorically and uh and there's a lot of beauty in that and a lot of like power not in the dominant power but like self-actualization power in in noticing that because you know whether that be happenstantial synchronicity or maybe you are trying to you know do something like recovery and we're just trying to change something in your life you know taking taking those steps um and knowing that like, it only takes once, you know, and like, it, it it only takes once and you can have a bunch of misses, but you just keep going. And, you know, all it takes is that one flap to eventually create that typhoon and seeing that in effect, observing that synchronicity, uh, I think strengthens for lack of a better term. It's like working the muscle because honestly, this, and I don't consider this any sort of brag at all, but um, yeah, I've gotten to the point in my life where I remember when I first started noticing these things more and you would like, you sort of keep track of them. Like, wow, this is very impactful. And then now years down the road, I notice them just as, uh, just as closely, but I don't keep track of them in the same way because they happen so often. It's just an organic part of life. Um, it's not necessarily a daily thing, but it's, it, it could be a few in a day and then, you know, one a week later and you know how it goes. But, um, um, I think there's something to be said for, like, I don't know, being able to just sort of, I guess, in that Taoist way, just sort of working with the Tao and just observing. And, you know, they say, "Uh, by doing nothing, things get done in that classic sort of Taoist way. And uh
6: there's a the law of least effort.
0: Oh, I didn't hear you for some reason. You're breaking up.
6: The law of least effort
0: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely the law of least effort um well man um we definitely we don't have to wrap it up quite yet but we're getting closer um to the end here so um what do you have in uh in final consideration of whether it be you know the manifestation of these things here or how impactful they are or someone potentially trying to figure out what this means in their life You know, how did you, maybe that's a good way to couch it. Like, how do you start following this trail of breadcrumbs and what do you have? Is it like advice?
6: You know, kind of along the lines of what you were just saying there, it's one of these things that once you start noticing it, at least in my experience, you can't turn it off. You know, it it starts from an organic part of your life as kind of like you were saying, and uh, as experience may show, Uh, you know, when you notice these things, or if you notice something like that, don't just slough it off. Uh, don't just say, Oh, that was a nice little shot of dopamine. I'm going to go about my day and forget it ever happened. Uh, just be open to what experience or what new opportunity that may provide because, uh, you could be neglecting the next big thing perhaps in your life. I mean, the next big thing doesn't have to be some grandiose kind of idea. It could just be, you know, a move. It could just be a new job. It could just be, um, that relationship people have been looking for, whatever that
0: is. Absolutely. I think um, so. Before we head out, this isn't too long. I'll read this. This is a little bit of the foreword uh, from this uh, this PDF I had. This is uh, this was a forward written by Michael Fordham. Fordham, an English psychiatrist that is you know studied in Jungian psychiatry, and this is the 1973 Princeton edition. Um, I really liked how this, you know, just encapsulated the search and the question of synchronicity. Um, When a young man, Jung saw a solid oak table suddenly split right across. Soon afterward, a strong steel knife broke in pieces for no apparent reason. His superstitious mother, who also witnessed both these events, looked at him significantly uh, and made this and this made Jung wonder what it was all about. Later, he learned that some of his relatives had been attending seances with a medium. They had been wanting to ask him to join them. Uh, For Jung and his mother, these occurrences, apparently separate, became linked together in a meaningful way. It was unlikely that the split table and broken knife were caused by the thoughts of his relatives or that the medium was seeking to impress him magically with her powers. However, that these happenings stimulated him to join in the seances and that he subsequently undertook research into occultism, bear witness to their effect upon him. Jung introduced the idea of synchronicity to strip off the fantasy, magic, and superstition which surround and are provoked by unpredictable, startling, and impressive events that, like these, appear to be connected. They are simply, quote-unquote, meaningful coincidences. In spite of this almost stark definition, Jung's idea has been attacked or applauded in the most unsuitable ways, probably the fate of most and direct statements in highly controversial, probably one of the most simple and direct statements in the highly controversial field of parapsychology. But Jung introduced a puzzling complication in support of his idea. He cited J.B. Ryan's researches that it is of no significance whether the separate events in a meaningful sequence are caused or not, for it is the meaning of the entire group, the sequence that Jung emphasized. Um, especially I like that bit, that poltergeisty bit about Jung and his initial interest in synchronicity from a young age. Um, so I think it's important to follow these things and to stay skeptical at all times, even of yourself, because skeptic skepticism, just like belief is a tool, you know, and, uh, um, you should use them both responsibly. Uh, Grant, my friend, do you have any, any closing thoughts?
6: Um, no, uh, I had something I wanted to read.
0: If that's all right, absolutely, go for it, my friend. Mike Cleland.
6: he wrote the Messengers. I liked his uh, definition of uh, synchronicity, and um, he's the owl guy for anybody that may have forgotten. Uh, <laughs> for me, for me, synchronicity is like a compass on a foggy morning in the open ocean. It's a tool to orient yourself and recalibrate your direction of travel. If you are in the flow, following one synchronicity should lead, lead to the lead to another.
0: Well said. Yeah. The I love the ocean metaphor. It it works well with the collective consciousness and also um with Taoism, which when things get too mystical for me, I I feel like um not too mystical, like that's a bad thing, but mystical, like out of my reach of like trying to even attempt basic understandings of I like Taoism because it's so practical. It's so bare bones yet so mystical at the same time. And yeah. The, yeah. I very much like that metaphor. Just flow with it. And, um, you know, don't get lost in the tide. Uh, don't get lost in the waves, but uh, flow with it. Um, Grant Mock, thank you so much for coming on, man. And thank you very much for listening to all the episodes that you have. Um, You're an A1 from day one, my friend. And, uh, yeah, you know, no that's not unnoticed. Yeah. So, you know, uh, would you like to tell listeners where they can find your material one more time?
6: Uh, sure. Uh, well, first off, again, just thanks for having me on, man. I've uh, been looking forward to this for a minute, and uh, it's been great to talk with you. Uh, and also, uh, if you want to check out any of my music, it's a little bit different from uh, anything that Anthony's played on here. But uh, nonetheless, if you like a little bit of uh, off, off-the-cuff kind of country stuff, bluegrass, uh, blues, gypsy folk, uh, hit me up. It's uh, Stray, as in Stray Cat, Stray Puzzle Piece, or Grant Mock can find me on youtube spotify itunes all that crap so uh yeah i look forward to uh maybe getting some listeners i'll get that anthony tyler bump
0: (laughs) yeah man absolutely we'll have you back on one of these days for sure um thank you very much for coming on my friend um thank you everyone for listening out there and uh don't forget this is black hoodie alchemy i am anthony tyler and uh we'll see you next week take it easy
7: when we all can agree that the fucking power